Arizona Sports. Breaking news. Yeah, you better believe it. We've got some breaking news in here on the Burns and Gambo Show on Arizona Sports. And it's coming to us from NFL ESPN insider Dan Graziano, who tweeted out moments ago, former Colts coach Frank Reich interviewed today. For the Arizona Cardinals open head coaching position, I, according to sources. I thought he might get the Chargers OC job. I thought that with the, I like that's a name that I'm like, okay, but he might get the Chargers because they just fired their offensive coordinator. So I thought that maybe that would that would happen. And I mean, look, they fired Frank Reich and they hired Jeff Saturday and it didn't do anything in Indianapolis. No, so it's I, not the it's not the coaches. I mean, Frank Reich is boy, you talk about you about you talk about trying to trying to cook a meal when there are no groceries in the house, right? I mean, you go through quarterback after quarterback that they've had there. Right. And even in five seasons with the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich went ten and six, seven and nine, eleven and five, nine and eight, three five. And one before he got let go. So a winning record in three of his four full seasons that he was there. His coaching record is 40-33 and one. Of course, he was the OC with the then San Diego Chargers. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles, he was the OC, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, or the yeah, the head coach of the Colts. So he's a guy now now this is a zig compared to the zag yeah, that we've had yeah, with the other it's, names. It's an offensive guy. Now he did interview for the um, the Panthers were interviewing him for their vacant head coaching job. Uh, but here's a guy coached the Colts from you know 2018 to 22, 40 wins, 33 losses, one tie over four years. Um, but he only got to coach the team. For one season before Andrew Luck said, okay, I'm out of here. You know, and then you start to go through the, you know, Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan and all the different guys that they had. Carson Wentz and and all the different guys. So, you know, he had uh, his results weren't the same. You know, obviously when, you know, Andrew Luck decided to retire, it changed everything. But he's a very good offensive mind. He's he's an older coach. He's in his 60s, like, but not, I mean, 61, 62 years old. So he's not a a younger 40, 45-year-old coach, but he is an offensive mind and probably somebody you feel, you know, if you're looking to you know, to, to get the most out of Kyla Murray, that's a guy you probably would feel pretty good about. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play now a soundbite from uh, this is Monty Ossenfurt, or yeah, from earlier today about he gets hired as the general manager of the Cardinals, and he was asked the question after the press conference, "Do you now take the reins on the coaching search?" Here's what he said in the moment: "We're all going to be in, involved in this search. Where this is going to be a collaborative process. Michael and others in the organization have have names. I have names. We're all going to sit down. And we're going to talk." this year together. And ultimately, we're going to find the right head coach that, that shares the vision. Is it too much of a leap to assume that Frank Reich is a name that Monty Austinfort brought to the table? No, I would think that is a name. That's not something right. that was brought up by Michael Bidwell. It's probably say this is somebody I want to, I want to hire. I mean, he, or at least I want to talk to. Maybe I want to talk to. Yeah, yeah. Talk to. Yeah. I mean, you know, Andrew Luck had his best, you know, season as a passer in 2018, and then he did a good job with Jacoby Brissett, and then obviously went through the quarterback carousel. Um, has a lot of experience. You know, was an offensive coordinator for the Chargers oh, he and was with Eagles. the Cardinals too. I forgot about that. He was with the Cardinals for a short time. He was a wide receivers coach in yeah. 2012. Yeah, under. Wiz, I'd forgotten yep. all about that. And I think from there, did he go to the Chargers from he there? Went to the Chargers after that, quarterback's and coach, offensive Eagles. coordinator, then the Eagles and offensive the coordinator, won the Super Bowl with the Eagles.
Bills and then the Colts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and this that that you know we talked about this. There could be a wild card here. There could be a name that Monty Austin Austin Fort wants to bring in and talk to. Now maybe not hard, but talk to that we don't know about. We knew about we know about Vance Joseph. We knew about D- D'Amico Ryan's. We know about Brian Flores' possibilities. But is there somebody else that he wants to bring? Now I was thinking it's probably going to be an offense a defensive guy. Now you interview Frank Reich, who is you know is an offensive guy. Yeah, that's the zig compared to the zag, right? All no the doubt. names that you mentioned, other than Sean Payton, uh, all the names that have kind of come forth so far have been kind of defensive-oriented names. Now here comes the first offensive-minded head coach. And and, and again, maybe the, he was a guy they were already going to talk to, but it sure does seem like for a name that was not on any kind of list beforehand, for him to just show up and, and, and not even be on a list. Like, he's interviewed for the job. Right, it's not even yes. like they plan to interview him. He has interviewed for the job already. What does it mean? I don't know. We'll see. It's a. It's a. It, and not only that you mention landing as an OC for the Chargers. I just did a quick Google search of Frank Reich's name and looked under the news column. They're talking about him in Los Angeles, maybe as the Rams' offensive coordinator. Well, I know the car, I, I, yeah, I didn't know as that. Possible, because their yeah. their OC left and went back to college. So Sean McVay's looking for now that he's coming back. He's looking for an OC. Yeah, Reich there. will get a job. It's it's interesting. Look, I I I respect the process of interview. As many people as you can, you know, interview as many people as you can find out, you know, what people think. Maybe Frank Reich says something, you know, that triggers or, or works. And, you know, what, you know, because you're asking that guy, hey, I got a huge investment in Kyler Murray. How do I get the most out of this guy? And you're looking for answers. Yeah, we were going to talk extensively in the next segment about the head coaching search and kind of what happens next. Let's just talk about that now since we've talked about it for most of the segment. I played the soundbite for you about taking the reins on the on the coaching search. Uh, Michael Bidwell today uh, indicated once again there's absolute urgency here. I do. I do see it uh, that we're going to start on it right away. And, and I can confirm that we're going to be interviewing Vance Joseph uh, that is scheduled, uh, and and so uh, we're going to be talking to Vance. And also, uh, I use the phrase uh, casting a wide net. We will be casting a wide net. We have put out some requests uh, for permission for some of the coaches that are that are in the playoffs and in, uh, with NFL teams. Okay, so Vance Joseph uh, interview coming. Now, here's another thought. And if you if you just said this, I apologize because I was kind of coordinating a couple things with Mitch while you were speaking. Brian Flores is head coach. Frank Reich is offensive coordinator. I know he interviewed for the head coaching job, but if he's going to end up taking an OC job anyway, why not throw his name into the ring for OC for the Cardinals? If we're talking about him taking the OC job for the Chargers or the Rams, you, Brian Flores is head coach. Frank Reich is OC. Um, you would have to... He, look, they talked a lot in that press conference about continuity, everybody being on the same page, being aligned. You would have to make sure that Brian Flores is okay with that. He's going to be the head coach. Of course. See, when Cliff Kingsbury took the job, Steve Kime put the coaching staff together. Right. Because Cliff didn't know anybody. Cliff, Steve put this. Steve put it together. Which, man, when you look back on it, that was whack. That was just not, Cliff didn't have the. Cliff didn't I, have the. I know, but you. But college you, coach. You hire a coach who. I, I mean, he should have an idea of who he wants to be on his coaching staff. Uh, looking back on it, that seems so 
backwards to me now that they that they would hire a coach, but the general manager would round he up. He had a lot to say. He coaches. had a lot to say, and that he, seems wrong. Yeah, he had a lot to say in that. But so I would think that based on everything that was said about being aligned, the continuity, and everybody being on the same page, that you would have to make sure that Brian Flores is well, of course you, is okay with you, that you too. You wouldn't hire Frank Reich first. You'd uh, hire, I, I, I mean, yeah. you, you'd hire the head coach next. I just wonder if Frank Reich doesn't get a head coaching job this cycle, and you end up going with Brian Flores if you're the Cardinals. And I like Brian Flores a lot as a head coach. I think that's a really intriguing name. If Reich doesn't get a head coaching job, and now he's going to take OC jobs, oh, absolutely. I can now use my interview with him as a head coach to kind of fall back on and say, okay, we talked with him as a head coach. Do we revisit him as an offensive coordinator sure. now? Because we've got that institutional knowledge of him from having interviewed him for our head coaching job. I, I think that could potentially, potentially make sense. Yeah, you might have some influence so with with the head coach on on guy recommending guys that the head coach may hire. Yeah, no doubt about it. The countdown to Super Bowl Fifty Seven has begun. Bud Light, FanDuel, Arizona Sports all want you to be there in person. Text the word "Super" to six twenty six twenty. Register and listen for your name starting February sixth. You could score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you'll win tickets. Tickets to the following events as well. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So again, text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. So when we come back, Monty Austin Fort, the big thing he had to say that had the whole NFL reacting. We promise you'll hear it next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're going to institute a thorough and exhaustive scouting process to find the right players for this team. We are not just collecting talent, we're going to build a team. We're going to look for the right type of players. Ego will not be tolerated in this organization. We are going to look for focused, driven, and people that are willing to put the team first at every step of the way. And that was the line. Yeah, it was, it was the yeah, that was the line. That that was the line. That was the moment. That was the yeah. we all heard it. We were listening to the press conference live here on Arizona Sports. You were home listening to it. I was in my home listening to it. And I, I, I have it. He like, goes aside. I, I've got my my handy dandy gambo like notebook here. <laughs> so right. And sure enough, about twelve lines down, ego will not be tolerated in this organization. And I circled it and I put quotes around it and then I wrote in all caps next to it. Everybody is reacting to this. That was the line. That no was the ego, moment. right type of players, focused and driven, team first. Yeah, I mean, easier said than done, but you know, when, you, when you're doing your scouting and you're going through that, you're looking for those guys. You're looking for guys that were captains on teams and leaders of teams and um, look, every once in a while you need to have that, you know, that, that, that self, especially you do, you do want some selfish players, like because they, those players tend to be great, but as long as they're you know, they care about the team and it doing whatever they takes to win, then you're okay. But look, they need a culture change. They need a culture change here. And that's what the first step is. Come in, change the culture. That's what happened with the Suns. You come in with Monty and James and you change the culture and you kind of make a way. And if you change the culture... And then everybody wants to be here. Maybe you don't have guys rehabbing in Dallas. Maybe they're rehabbing here. Sure. You know, you know what I'm saying. I know exactly. I mean, what you're you could listen. Some yeah. people have different opinions about whether I think Michael Michael Bidwell believes Kyler should be here. Some people think it's okay for Kyler to be in Dallas. But if you change the culture and you make it to where this is the place that everybody wants to be, then I don't think that, that issue takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. 
It's not an issue. Like, guys will rehab here. Guys will train here. Guys will show up to those non-mandatory camps when, you know, when they they don't have to. You'll change the culture and you'll get a group of t- players that all want to work together for the greater good of winning football games and trying to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and Michael has been on record as saying he wants guys here. And, and Michael, too, was asked about he was. The, the, the link between... What Monty Austin Fort said today, the new GM of the Cardinals, and what Michael had said a week ago when talking about getting input from the players. And he it's said, related. absolutely, the ego statement was related to discussions I had with players. I think it is related, and uh, it was described in a different way. It was accountability. We need more accountability. And uh, that is something that Monty and I talked about, and it's, it's, it's clear that that's going to be an emphasis here. And that's what he just described, is setting ego aside, and it's all about accountability to the team. So I think it's absolutely related. It's absolutely something our players are interested in. And uh, and that, that that was something I had in my mind when I was evaluating. Now look, let's all be grownups here, all right? You heard it. I heard it. People who were listening online and to the radio station heard it. Come on, let's be honest. Our first thought went to Kyler, right? Well, calm right. the blank down to Cliff. It's kind of the same thing to D-Hop. It's like... You got to hold him accountable. Like he shouldn't be able to, you know. I would think holding a guy accountable means if you if you talk to your coach like that, you're going to sit on the bench. Like you're going to be reprimanded for that. We're not going to accept that type of behavior. We're not going to accept that. You know, everybody's working hard here. You're not above everybody. You're not better than everybody else. Like we need you. You need us. And I'm sure it's not just him. But I'd be lying to everybody listening right now if that wasn't the first thing that went through my mind when I heard that comment was, was oh, man, it, it's a, a not that he's throwing shade at Kyler necessarily, but but that's kind of part of what's going on here. And then, you're, yeah, your mind does think back. Of course, there are other guys as well, and, and it's not just him, but that is kind of part of what he's trying to fix. And he elaborated. This is Monty Austin for it. We'll go back to him. Elaborated again on ego not being. There's one goal here. It's to win. Okay? There's there's no putting personal interests in front of the team. Um, I was I was told once the definition of mental toughness is putting the team in front of something that maybe would have been better personally for me. So that to me is the type of players that we're looking for. But here's the other thing I want to add about this too. All right, we're gonna sit here and say ego bad, ego bad, ego bad. You also need talent to win in this league. And sometimes with talent comes ego, and it's unavoidable. But some ego is okay. Yeah, of course. Like, but know, some, but it, yeah, I mean, selfishness is okay. You, you know, and I know it's a strong attention-grabbing way of saying it. Ego will not be tolerated. Talent needs to be tolerated. Talent needs to be, and sometimes you're going to have to. There's going to have to be a little give and take when it comes to the super because you can't just build a roster filled with two-star recruits that nobody wanted, but they're all great guys and they right. all row in the same but, direction, but right? they don't have the talent. I mean, if, they, if you don't have the talent, I mean, you can have the best attitude in the world, but at the end of the day, there's a National Football League. Talent is a very important part of the equation. So there's got to be a fine line here and a, a middle ground, a balance in all of this. And to be honest, that we're, the Cardinals have probably been out of balance for the last couple of years. But if you and have, trying to get that balance back a little I, bit. I think what he's trying to say, if you have more guys that are like Buddha, then everything will work itself out because that's the majority. Like if you have more guys Fair. that are like that, then everybody else would kind of fall in line because if you don't, yep. 
you know, you got to get called out on the carpet. You're going to get they're going to they're gonna hold you accountable. The players are going to hold. They're going to police themselves. So if I get the right amount of guys that have the same tenacity, work ethic, uh, vibe that Buddha has, then that will take. If I have, if I only have a few of those guys, then it's harder to police it. But if you have a lot of those guys on your team, sure. then it's harder for somebody to be out of line. And be honest, it also starts with the coach. And the general manager can speak it all he wants, but who he ultimately hires to be the head coach of this team will go a long, long, long way into, you know, the the ego comment and the idea that, that you know, egos will not be tolerated on this team because that coach will work Work to right, like you need a coach who's going to command the kind of respect that doesn't get calm to bleep down right. when you're rocking off the field, right? Now, I think in some ways they they did try to be more accountable later in the season, like they cut Eno Benjamin. Okay, they cut Eno. Like it was a, that's another thing we don't talk about how bad the Cardinals season was. Eno Benjamin got cut by the Cardinals. Yes. You know, because he wouldn't go into the football game when he was asked, and then he started a fight with the coach, and so they cut him. They cut Eno Benjamin. So, like, that was at that time, that was later in the season, right? That was like, okay, now, I think that they, they tried to hold guys accountable, That, but I think it was too late. By then it was too late. I think it was too late. And, and with a guy like Cliff, I mean, after a while, it is. It's too late. You can't change. flip on guys no. like that. Guys aren't going to buy it. They're not going to respect it. You almost have to be that way out of the gates, you know, for them to believe that you're you going to hold them yeah. to an accountability level like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. Everything's good. Okay, now I'm going to be a hard ass. That doesn't work yep. like that. And, and again, a lot of what Austin Fort said sounded very patriot-like, right? Very New England Patriot-like, um, and that's probably part. In fact, it's not probably. It is part of the culture that he's bringing with them. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you'll never miss any of our show. The Burns and Gambo Show. It is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. The AFC playoff games featured three one-score games. Teams and one historic comeback. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Jags, third largest comeback in the history of the postseason. I think we got to spend a couple of minutes, though, talking about that Ravens-Bengals game. Yes. Because, I mean, in the last time we talked about the AFC playoffs, we spent almost the entire segment talking about the Jags. And again, rightfully so. That was crazy. They were down 27-0. They were minus five in the turnover differential. They still found a way to win. That... Man, the the Bengals and really, let's lump in the Bills into this conversation too. Okay, start Boy, with the Bengals. They dodged bullets this yes. weekend. Okay, they both, both did. of them, and, and I, yeah. I think together there's a story to be told about the two of them together, right? Because okay. they were both playing division rivals. They were both playing division rivals that they played very very recently, right? And there did seem to be a like the Dolphins kind of figured some stuff out about the Bills, and the Ravens kind of figured some stuff out about the Bengals, and both of those teams 
really had to survive those games to advance. And I think the big question now moving forward, we know the Bills are great. We know the Bengals are great. Is what happened this weekend a reflection of them and their struggles? Or is everything going to be fine when they meet each other this weekend because they're both great teams? You know, that's that to me, I think, is the big picture question now to come out of this yeah, past weekend fair. in the AFC. One of the things that we don't we haven't talked about with the Baltimore game, we talked about the Huntley going up and and then, you know, uh, Logan knocking it down and Hubbard taking it and going a distance. There was still time left. The Ravens oh. had an unbelievable opportunity to come back and win that game. But somehow, John Harbaugh's clock management oh. completely backfired on him. We haven't talked about that part of it. It was deplorable. Right. It was so bad. Yeah. I mean, you just, you don't understand it. I mean, you've got a chance here. They kept huddling up and huddling up. And you're like, we've got all these timeouts. So why wouldn't you take a timeout? And then it comes down to like the last play. And so you just kind of wondered what, what was going on there? Well, you know, why, why did, why did he, and he said, I was saving, I was say, saving yeah. it for the red zone. I was saving it and say, you were saving it. And then you're like, you know, you didn't, you didn't use two of them. And then you finally used one at the end to, yeah. but a lot of scrutiny there because twice with under a minute remaining and the clock running, they decided to huddle up. They, there was one seventeen left. J.K. Dobbins gained 11 on a short pass. He got down to the 17-yard lines. The Ravens didn't snap the ball again until there was 34 seconds left on the clock. It's, it's that you don't understand. Happen. Yeah. And I'm watching the game thinking... What what the hell is taking them so long? What are they doing? You know, I never everybody was like, they're huddling. Why do they keep huddling? I don't know why they keep huddling. They have to hurry. If they're not gonna call a timeout, they have to move. They and even even with that, they still could have at the very least tied the game if the ball doesn't go off that kid's And then you had the, the holding zone. penalty, which knocked them out of the yeah. red zone. And so it felt like they should have been it felt like they should have had a few more plays or been closer. It felt like if they had handled the time timeouts the right way they would have been so we could sit there and talk about what an incredible play it was by Harbert and that was fantastic it was because the Ravens are about to go in and, and probably take the you know take the lead and win the game and the Bengals come back and score but man there was still plenty of time for the Ravens to come back and, and do something and they didn't do it now the Bills Dolphins game was I thought the Bills were going to run away with that I thing thought early they were too. Well, I thought I they mean, were too it looked really good for Buffalo early in that game I'm just looking at my notes right here from the game they're up 14 nothing they're up 17 to 3 it looks like it's going to be a blowout then Miami made a game of it four big plays four big plays Allen throws the interception. Xavier Howard, it sets up a field goal, 17-6. Okay, no problem. Cedric Wilson then has a 50-yard punt return, sets up a field goal, 17-9. Okay, you're still okay. But then another Allen interception, this one by Javon Holland, on a ball that was off of Beasley, sets up the touchdown to Gazeki, two-point pass. The score's tied 17. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, still 17. Then the Bills get a late field goal. They're up 20-17 at the half. But the first possession, of the second half, you got a sack and a fumble. Eric Rowe, sack fumble by by Allen on the blitz. Zach Sealer recovers it, returns it five yards for a touchdown. It's 24-20. Dolphins are like, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. You you guys, you were up 14-0, and now you're down 24-20. And, now it, and from that point forward, it was a dogfight for the Bills to win that freaking football game. And that's why... 
If and well, I'm sure we'll talk about this over the course of the week. If you were to say to me, pick one of those two teams that you're the most concerned about when they play each other next Bills. weekend, absolutely, I would pick the Bills. Bills. That's a thing for them, right? Like, like the Bengals struggle against the Ravens. Go look at the Bengals' numbers against the Ravens in the three times they've played them this year. The Ravens' defense has their number for whatever reason. It's just a bad matchup for them. Josh Allen all year for all of his brilliance, for all of his greatness, for all of his physical ability. Man, has he turned the ball over a lot? Is he careless with the ball, with the fumbles and the interceptions? That's going to get him. That is yeah. going to get him. If not next week, then the week after against Kansas City. So you say to me, which team is in the most trouble coming out of yeah. their games this weekend? I'm going to tell you the Bills because I think Josh Allen is a little bit of a concern right now with those turnovers and how eventually you think it's going to bite him. So here's another thing, and we should talk about this because it comes, it goes into clock management again. The Bills, they're up 34-21. Ten minutes left. Miami ends up getting the ball back. It's a three-point game. They get the ball back with four four minutes and 25 seconds left. Move down the field. A big 25-yard pass play to Waddle. They're facing a fourth and one. Fourth and one. They get a delay a game. It's a delay a game. How do you get a delay a game on a fourth and one? Like, And then you get fourth and six. The pass to Gazeki's incomplete. The Bills survive yeah. and win the game. So you've got the you've got the the, the hardball blowing, blowing it at the end with clock management. And then somehow Miami takes a delay a game on a fourth and one. So, they you thought know, they had a first down. That's what he said. Mike McDaniel That's what he said thought we had a first game, down. That they thought for at least initially that they had a first down. And, and he didn't, didn't have a play realize. call. He didn't have the right play call. He didn't have the right play call for fourth God. down. And they're just standing around like, are you guys going to run a play? You're out of timeouts because you botched that earlier in the quarter. Are you guys going to run a play? Or are you just going to stand around and look at each other? And by the time they realized what was happening, they ran up to the line. You can see Skylar Thompson. He's like, come on, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Was, I know. Too late. It was, a, it, was a, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And and that's, you know, and so both of those teams survive. Of course, the Jags advance with their dramatic come from behind win over the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers make coaching changes today, but not Brandon Staley. It appears that he's going to survive. And, and now so the AFC is set. The, the first game on Saturday is going to be Jacksonville at Kansas City. And the first game on Sunday is going to be the Bengals and the Bills. And, of course, the, the drama baked into Bengals-Bills. And we'll, again, talk about this throughout the course of the week. Man, that's that game that was suspended because of Demar Hamlin. And, and and so you're going to pick that back up. And it, it's it's I would have thought the winner of that game was going to win the AFC. Now I'm not so sure, especially when it comes to the Bills. Now I'm not so sure. I feel pretty good that Kansas City is going to take care of business pretty easily. I do too. That would be like, the upset of all upsets. I mean, if Jacksonville beat Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. The Bills had another offense. I mean, the Bengals had another offensive lineman get hurt mm-hmm. and leave that game. So they've kind of like, they kind of beat up on that. I, I still like the Bills. I still like the Bills. Because um, I just think the offensive line of the Bengals, the, the Bengals defense came through with some big plays. Um, and now we wait to see what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. And then you had the Dobbins, you know, calling out his team because he, you know, he was just ripping his team for, uh, you know, not giving him the ball. And Huntley shouldn't have been in that situation. And we would have won if we had Lamar. Uh, but I think Kansas City takes care of business easy. I still like Buffalo over Cincinnati. But I agree with you. I wouldn't, 
I, I'm not fully confident in that one. No, I just I'm worried that Josh Allen's going to make a mistake at the worst possible time. Whereas I think that the Bengals just have a Ravens problem, and now they don't have a Ravens problem anymore because they're gone, they're eliminated. But if Lamar Jackson plays that game, well, there's no doubt the Ravens knock off the Bengals. None, none in my mind at all. You know, and, and I J.K. Dobbins is right. He should have gotten the ball more in the red zone in those situations. Yeah. He absolutely should have. And there was a great breakdown, too, on Good Morning Football where they were talking about how on that play, Tyler Huntley shouldn't be reaching over the goal line with the ball like that. Like, you're just inviting danger. When you, I don't think anybody thought Sam Hubbard was going to pull up James Harrison huh. and do what he did. But, but man, and I, and I, you know what? One other thing I'll say real quick yeah, before yeah. we take it to break. Normally, I'm not a big fan of this weekend. This past weekend of NFL football, like it's get the riffraff out kind of stuff. It was only one blowout. The, the games were great. The games were great this yeah. weekend. There was the only game that wasn't great was the the one that was expected <laughs> by me. Dallas annihilated the Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, God, someone go check the ice machine. Make sure it's full. Oh. We need to ice. Well, we need to ice your shoulder from patting yourself on the back. We need, we need a, some ibuprofen, maybe, in the medicine cabinet. Easiest lunch I've ever had. I was won. too busy winning. Uh-huh. Gambo's going to be very Ooh. sore after today's show for patting himself on the back. I got four rings. You don't. Mm, so shut up. I was so happy when you went, when you made that bet. Because <laughs> I would have bet, bet the house that, there's no, that uh, Dallas would have won that game. You know what I'm so happy about? What? We're going to a break. Innings Festival <laughs> is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, right. so much more. Returns to Tampa Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Are we at a point now where the Suns are sellers? Buyers? What are they going to do with a trade deadline? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Burns and Gambo. What's on tonight? All right, time for the What's On Tonight games we're going to watch this evening. When we get out of here, we've actually got bonus Burns and Gambo tonight because locally, the only team in action tonight is the Coyotes. Losers of nine straight. Now. We're one in 17 here in Arizona. Professional sports. Professional sports. Once in, in 2023. One, one in 17. win, 17 losses for 2023. I don't know what winning percentage that is, but it's not good. But we are winning press conferences. So that's great. <laughs> yes. You know what I forgot to tell you guys? Is there anything else on tonight? Or? Is that it? Do you get everything uh, in? No, that's it. That's it. That's you know what I forgot to it. tell you guys? You know how me and my friends do like, you know, the, we did, did like the Mega Millions? Yes. So me and my, my, we have like six of my friends, like we all go in on a Mega Millions because um, of this group, this group chat. So the Mega Millions the other day, right? I checked the numbers. Mm-hmm. I get the first number. I have the second number. I have the third number. I have the fourth number. Whoa! I'm like, oh my God! Like, did we just win the... And then I didn't have the next number. But there's five numbers, and in the Powerball, mm-hmm. we hit the first four numbers. Mm-hmm. Me and my friends. And? We won $500. Well, but one more number, we would have won a million. One more... You So you have four numbers. Wow. You win 500 bucks. You win four... You have four numbers in the Powerball, it's 10,000. You get five numbers, just five numbers, a million bucks. I'm like, we have one number away from splitting a million dollars between us six idiots. So that's why you came to work today, right? Yeah, that's why, well, yeah, that's why I'm here. Yeah. But if you'd won, well, if you'd won, 
No, if I win a million, I got to split it six ways. You're still coming to work for that. Yeah, right, that's, that's not enough. Two hundred fifty grand, maybe each, or something like that. Yeah, that's still nothing to sneeze at. No, I mean it's not. You know, it's not. Uh, it doesn't make you quit your job or anything. No, like that. no, but, it's not quit your job money. Yeah, but, but I would have won this billion or whatever. But like, I never like. So now, like Chelsea's got to Venmo all of them money because we just we won just like five hundred bucks. We won five hundred fourteen dollars. So when she Venmos them money, you get to put snarky comments oh, back I to know. them. I know because they're always putting snarky comments. So to many her. snarky comments. You you get to be. I, I hope she hasn't already done it. You need to be snarky back when you yeah. send that money, right? You need to be a real jerk. Oh, you need to be absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just rub it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You need to get nasty about it. Yeah. I should. It's For a sure. Good if, idea. if you miss, you don't know what we're talking about. Every time I don't have Venmo, Gambo does, does this with. His friends, yeah, Gambo doesn't have Venmo because he doesn't understand how it works. So Chelsea uh, collects the money from his friends back in New York, and every time uh, they send money to Chelsea for the Powerball, it's always with comments like for Gambo's hair replacement or, or for some or, athleticism, or for some athleticism, or, or for, for some little blue a, pills, a, another or, medium shirt, yeah, or something just, like that. Right? Just little snarky comments like some that. kind of stupid comment. Yeah. yeah. And now you get to do it to them. Yeah, I get to do it to them. I look forward to that. Um, okay, so the Suns, we, we've talked very little about Oof. the Suns today for a couple of reasons. The Aussie Monfort, uh, uh story was the big one today. And the Suns lost by 30 last night to the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, so, uh, and the Suns, we, we're now at that point where I think we can really start eliminating some possibilities. All right. Number one, number two, see, nope, nope. Number three, number four seem like those are long shots at best. It feels like Gambo at this point, your best case scenario for the Suns is to be six, maybe five, but probably six in the West. And even that is going to take things leveling off a little bit over the next week or two, and then you getting some guys back by February 1st, and you making a Jake Crowder trade, and then you keep everybody healthy for the last 30 games, and you make a push where you play 10 games above 500, 15 games above 500 for the last 30 games the of the seven season. Games See where you end up. There's seven games between now and February 1st, though. And so the problem right now to the, that I see is that you've played 45 games. So that that so there's only 37 games left. Well, you get to February 1st, now there's only 30 games left. So you are running out of time to make that you know that move. I mean, you're you're you know beyond halfway through the season. Like I said, 45 games have been played, 37 games left, and they've got a whole lot of teams ahead of them right now. They do, and, but it's and, close. It's, it's all close, and that's and that's just what I was going to say. Is is it's close enough that if you can just stay within shouting distance of the Clippers at six, of the Mavs at five, and right now you're what three games in the loss column behind the Mavs at number five, you get your guys back. Now, the big thing, and it goes without saying, but I'll say it, when you get your guys back, you got to keep them back, right? Like, you, you can't, you can't, Stand one more loss, one more guy going down. You need to get everybody back, get healthy, right. and make a push. Because if you start losing guys again, well, then it's not going to matter. You might not even make the play-in tournament. I, I, I think one's out, two's out, three's out, and at this point it feels like four's out in the Western Conference. Six is doable, but you got to start getting some guys back, and you got to level this thing out. They've lost, what, 17 of their last 22, 18 of their last 23 yeah, games? Yeah, so you just get to the point where you just wonder if, like, do you, should you be all in on this season? I mean, because to me, 
I, I I just try to get everybody back. I make a J Crowder trade. I might make another minor move, and then I roll the dice with it, and then I reevaluate in the offseason. I, I would just rather roll the dice with this team, see what they can do, and if they come up short, they come up short. I'm not going all in on this season right now. As long right as now. we don't count Jay Crowder as going all in, then, no. I, then I don't go all in on the season. You, right. you, you trade Jay Crowder. You have to you, you have to trade Jay Crowder. Yeah, right? yeah, right. And I agree. Maybe you make another minor move. Move that doesn't impact you very much, but in terms of giving up like real assets, real draft capital, uh-uh, not this year, not this year. It's they're 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 now. I do think okay, and I'm not trying to be Mr. Homer guy here. I do think if they get everybody back healthy and they stay healthy, that this team can go into the postseason and do some real damage. I do believe that because I yeah. don't think seeds matter that much when the playoffs start. It's just a question of getting from here to there and keeping everybody healthy when Golden you do State it. State and the Lakers were in the play-in game? Yeah. And you're like, you don't want to have to play them in the first round. Of course. The Suns might be that team that... Big time. You don't want to play them in a... They're a seven... You're, they're an eight seed? Big One time. One versus eight? Uh-huh. Big t- And they're healthy? They're fully healthy. And they're stocked and ready to go. That is not a team you want to see in the first round if you're a one seed, especially if you're an inexperienced one seed, right? If you okay, let's 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 switch the roles here a little bit. Let's say you play New Orleans in the first round of the playoffs. What you don't think it's going to be different for them when they have the pressure of advancing as a two seed or a one seed or a three seed? There's a lot I liked about Memphis, man. I like, but then I kept thinking, like, how different would this be if Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Cam Johnson were playing? So it's hard to look, like, you watch a game like Memphis last night, you're like, okay, Memphis is really good. The Suns didn't have any other guys. They're a shell of themselves right now. We're playing a Josh Okoji and, and the Sabin Lee and, mm-hmm. like, okay, like, John Moran's like, okay, Sabin Lee can't guard me. Yeah, of course he can't guard you. <laughs> like, I get it. Like, so that's like, you know, I was watching Memphis pull away yesterday and it was the timing was perfect because I got to watch almost all of the Suns game and then the, 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 the Dallas Cowboys Tampa Bay Bucks game started. And I'm just watching this game I'm like, man, this is just this is really this is this is ugly because Memphis just pulled away. But again, you, you're looking at a Suns team that is, you know, if they can get everybody back that, you know, that might be one of those hard fought first round matchups that they end up playing. them. I tell you what, though, the, the more the season wears on and I know he hasn't always been available because of his own injury issue. Man, the sense of disappointment in DeAndre Ayton is just becoming more and more profound by the day. Like, he he had a terrible game shooting against Minnesota on Friday. Last night, a better night shooting, but a terrible night on the boards. He had five rebounds last night. And, and it's just starting to look at that like... Okay, maybe we need to rethink what the Suns' strategy was on this one because it just does not feel like he's been worth the investment at all. Do you think we'll ever get to the point where we'll say it would have been better if Indiana just matched, if the Suns just didn't match the offer sheet and you had $30 million to spend on something else? Do you think we'll ever get to that point? I don't, I, I, because we don't want to lose him for nothing. Like, you're going to lose a guy for nothing? But the way he's played, you almost feel like, God, if you, if they didn't match it, then Indiana would have him and then you wouldn't have all that money tied up for the next, you know, for four years. The parallels between DeAndre Eaton and Kyler Murray are inescapable and unavoidable. In some ways, they're the same guy. In some ways, they're not. But in some ways, they're the same guy. Number one picks. Um, all the potential in the world. Last year, they both got paid out of fear. All right? You paid them out of fear. True. 
fear that they were going to leave and be better somewhere else, fear that you were going to get the right amount of value for them, fear that you would regret not signing them. They were both paid out of fear, and so far, one year into these new contracts for both of them, there's already this, oh man, what did we do? What did we do? You know, kind of feeling that that it, it's not a final feeling. It's not a final determination or a final verdict. But the early indications that your return on investment, they're not very good on either of them right now. They're not very good. Well, three years left on eight and... Like everybody's saying, okay, can you trade? Will the son? Can you trade it? I don't know that anybody wants to pay him thirty million dollars a year at this point. If you could find somebody who wanted him, I'd be so very open to having that conversation. If I'm the sons, I just don't know. Imagine who that if we're team sitting is. here begging for the for the contracts to end for DeAndre Ayton and Kyler Murray. That would be a sad place to be. Yep, I, I, Ayton's got so much talent, so much ability, and man, it just has it's just not coming together. <laughs> And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, welcome back. It's a bonus edition of the Burns and Gambo show. We're with you till the bottom of this hour, 6.30, when we'll make way for the Coyotes pregame coverage. They're hosting the Red Wings tonight, and hopefully this nine-game losing streak for the Coyotes can stop tonight as they've lost nine straight games. They're at Mullet Arena. That game faces off at 7 o'clock. Of course, today the big news, Monty Austin-Fort introduced as the new general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. The hiring was announced yesterday by the organization. Today, we got to know him a little bit and the the obviously the big talking point item to come out of this press conference was this comment made by Monty Austin Fort early on in his remarks about wanting a unified message when it comes to the coach and the GM and the owner. We're going to focus on a completely unified message across the general manager, the head coach, and ownership to what exactly we want to be as a football organization. We're going to institute a thorough and exhaustive scouting process. We are going to turn over every stone to find the right players for this team. We are not just collecting talent. We're going to build a team. We're going to look for the right type of players. Ego will not be tolerated in this organization. We are going to look for focused, driven, and people that are willing to put the team first at every step of the way. And there it was. Ego will not be tolerated. And that line got everybody's attention. I was listening to the press conference on Arizona Sports. We were carrying it live, and I was following along on social media. And the reaction from the national media types, Ian Rappaport, Judy Batista, others in the moment were like, oh, Oh, Andrew Siciliano did the eyeball thing, you know, the eyeball emoji thing. Like, ooh, look at this. Look at what he just said. Ego will not be tolerated. Michael Bidwell was asked a question about it as well, of course, the Colonel's owner. And he said, absolutely. The discussions I had with players, the input I sought from them is related to the ego statement made by Monty Austin Ford. I think it is related, and uh, it was described in a different way. It was accountability. We need more accountability. And uh, that is something that Monty and I talked about, and it's, it's, it's clear that that's going to be an emphasis here, and that's what he just described is setting ego aside, and it's all about accountability to the team. So I think it's absolutely related. It's absolutely something our players are interested in, and, uh, and that, that, that was something I had in my mind when I was evaluating Mitch, we haven't gotten your thoughts on this. What did you think when that statement was made, the follow-up statement was made, and what it means for the future? 
Well, this is what you kind of have to say, right? Think about this previous iteration that the Cardinals put together with the Kingsbury and Chimera. We'll call it that. These past four years, while it did eventually lead to a playoff berth, it's not remembered for getting the team to the playoffs. It's not remembered for the incremental success that they had in the first three years. It's remembered for the fall-offs at the end of the year, the infighting within some of these players, the stressing bringing in veteran leadership in year, what was it, three of the Kingsbury part of the era? Year three, yeah. This is Michael Bidwell's more so chance to really emphasize that that ship has completely sailed and we're starting this thing over from the studs. Yeah. You know what? And, and that's, I had forgotten about that, but that's a really good point. You think about year three when they bring in Rodney Hudson, when they bring in JJ Watt. It's, it's almost, it's almost like this tacit acknowledgement that, okay, we know our coach isn't exactly the greatest accountability guy. He's coach cool. He, coach cool, coach bro, you know, what we've been calling him for the last couple of years, but but we, we know he might not fit the bill in that regard, but we're going to bring in players who will do that for him. We're going to bring in players. Well, it turns out that's not enough, right? It, it turns out that it, it can't just be players within the locker room they are going to create this culture of accountability. It literally has to be from the top down with your organization. And so, you know, Eagle Ego will not be tolerated. Yeah, in the strictest sense, yes, ego will be tolerated to a certain extent because a lot of ultra talented players have an ego that come with it. That's just part of the deal. That's professional sports. That's how it works. It just by it he means we will not allow someone's ego to get in the way of the bigger picture of the organization and what we're trying to accomplish. And, and that's why Michael used the, the the A word there. The accountability is being part of that because that's a different, but probably more nuanced way of looking at what was being said by. Monty. I almost wonder, and I don't know why I'm thinking this far deep into it, but if he doesn't say anything related to that today, do we feel significantly less confident about this hire? I mean, no. we understand the track record, right? That's a good 15 question. years in New England, this iteration of Tennessee Titans football led by Mike Vrabel, and they get a bunch of tough dudes that yeah. really fight on the football field. That, that, do we feel that same way if he doesn't say this today? That's a really good question. We don't... I think... Yeah, I think we don't feel the same about it. I think that statement is like the cornerstone message, right? That statement is the one every headline on every website, our website, other websites, it, that, that's going to be ego will not be tolerated. Ego, that, that is the catchphrase to come out of this. It's the, I now know the name Monty Austin Fort because yeah. he said this. If he doesn't say that, I think we're all still encouraged by the hire because the Cardinals went outside the organization for the first time since 1994. But it doesn't have that cornerstone. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have that flashing neon sign of look what he said, look what he said, look what he said, look what he said. And instead we're going, okay, yeah, he said the right things about everybody being in unison and working together and he said the the things about what he's looking for for a coach and all of that. But to have that Big, bold headline. Yeah, I think it's a little bit. I don't think we're any less enthusiastic about the hire, but certainly it just doesn't have that big neon sign attached to it the way it did today. He might have watched Kenny Dillingham's press conference from a couple of months ago and said, oh, man, how am I going to match the energy of that guy? Yeah. What am I going to say to match that level? I I don't know if you could uh, a, a, a power plant could match the energy that Kenny Dillingham had in his presser. Now, that's not all to come out of the organization. Organization today. This news to pass along came.
came down about an hour ago, and it was reported by Dan Graziano of ESPN. According to Dan, today the Arizona Cardinals interviewed Frank Reich to be their head coach. Now, Monty Austinfort had said today that, you know, there, there are names out there for the coaching job. I'll bring in my own names. Seems safe to assume that Frank Reich was a name that was brought in by Monty, but not necessarily when you consider that Frank Reich did spend a year with the Cardinals organization. I was going to say, do you want to speculate this? I'm almost curious who brought this name to the table. Because initially I thought, okay, Monty comes in, he has his press conference. Oh, and we find out that there's a Frank Reich interview. It, it seemed in the moment it was safe to assume that that was a name that he brought with him. But maybe that was a name that was already on the list because of his previous connection with the Cardinals organization. And the other thing is, like, we had a list of known candidates or at least reported candidates, but none of them had scheduled interviews. And I think we all kind of got that sense when Sean Payton spoke about who he was interviewing with yesterday. Maybe Michael truly won to get the GM job filled before going through with it, and now they're trying to schedule all these interviews. Perhaps. But they just happen to interview somebody today. That's a, that's a, that's a really good point. It doesn't necessarily have to be tied to Monty. It could just be that they, they wanted to really check the GM box first, and now they can move on to coaching interviews, some of which might already have been scheduled. Frank Reich, obviously former Colts head coach, took him to the playoffs twice. He went 1-2 and two in the postseason. He left the Cardinals to be the quarterback coach for the, coach for the Chargers, the OC for the Chargers, the OC for the Eagles. He was the head coached the Colts for four and a half years before getting let go. Also this according to Albert Breer. Vance Joseph is scheduled to interview for the job tomorrow morning. So the coaching interviews, now Sean Payton still waiting to hear. And of course Brian Flores is a name a lot of us are interested in too. We'll have a lot more on this situation tomorrow of course. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow straight at 2 o'clock on the Burns and Gambo show. You still here? It's over. Go home. Go.